everybody, talking Big East basketball as we inch close to the halfway point of conference play. John Fanta here with you with the State of Big East Hoops. We lead off with the countdown in conference play. And if your calendar's not marked already, it better be after this pod. Because February 9th is coming soon. Not this weekend, but next weekend. When the Marquette Golden Eagles rank 10th in America, their highest ranking for the program since 2011-12. They will welcome in the reigning national champion, Villanova Wildcats. The Cats at 7-0 in Big East play. Now we begin to watch for perfection watching conference play. Will they lose a game? I would say this is going to be their best chance to do so on February 9th inside the Pfizer Forum where Marquette is 14-0. This matchup is big time in every sense of that term. You've got Phil Booth and Eric Paschal who are combining to average around 43 points per game in conference play. They've been a one-two punch. On the other side, you've got Marcus Howard and Sam Hauser with the complimentary piece of the freshman, Joey Hauser, who I think is the lead frontrunner for Big East Freshman of the Year. You've got him complimenting them. So for me, it then comes down to who is going to take away who? And we'll take a deeper dive into this next week. Big East Shootarounds every Thursday, 1 Eastern time. Big East Shootaround is going to have special programming around the game. But the difference with Marquette, which is why they can be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament, if not further, is the defensive jump they've taken. First in the Big East in field goal percentage defense at just a hair over 40%. Second in defensive rebounds per game. With over 29, 20th in the nation in defensive rebounds per game. First in block shots in the Big East with nearly five per game. The Golden Eagles have held their opponents under 40% shooting nine times in the 18 wins for Marquette. They only did that four times last year. That's defensive progress. That's why Marquette is challenging Villanova at the top of the conference. I can't wait for February 9th. What a showdown it's going to be. I think you've got the two contenders now for the Big East Player of the Year award. No, no longer Shamari Pons or Miles Powell. Both talented players. But I think Phil Booth has moved in there. And rightly so. He's averaging 22 points per game in conference play. He's averaging over five assists per game in conference play. Five rebounds per game in league play as well. He's shooting 48% from the field and 48% from three. And I know you could say, well, John, in non-conference play, he wasn't the same player. Look, the coaches vote on what they see, and I think come March, if Phil Booth sustains this level of play, and through seven games, that's a that's not a small sample size. Through seven games of league play, he's done just that. Phil Booth's got to be considered. Marcus Howard would be my player of the year right now. Uh, but Phil Booth has moved his way into contention for that award. And that says a lot because he had to become the A-type playmaker for Villanova to go deep into March. And he has become just that. Let's look at the rest of the league. It is absolute chaos, and how could you not love it? Georgetown, Providence, Creighton, all three and four. The rest of the bunch, St. John's, Seton Hall, DePaul, Butler, Xavier, three and five. I'm going to focus on two programs here. Let's start with the Friars. Two years ago, they were 1-4 in, in conference play. Three seasons ago, they lost 5-6 of six in February. Everyone doubted at Cooley. 
Ed Cooley's entire career has been proving people wrong. Providence is that type of a program. Providence is that program that you, you cannot count out. They've gone to five straight NCAA tournaments, and I believe, I'll say it on this podcast, I think they will go to a sixth consecutive NCAA tournament for the first time in program history because they're playing a lot better basketball behind the return of A.J. Reeves now. That's a game-changer for Providence offensively. You just have to think they're going to make a run. And at the end of the day, folks, Providence was picked third in the Big East preseason poll for a reason. They've got a stellar freshman class that we continue to see evolve. Alpha Diallo is the alpha, and he's a guy on the wing that, that makes a great impact. And physically, he's imposing. And down low, you've got the development of Nate Watson who's had a couple 20-plus performances in conference play. Providence is on the come-up. But on Wednesday, they face a team that is ultra-desperate for a win and has been able to fight back from these types of slow starts before. Kevin Willard has this Seton Hall team in the NCAA tournament conversation. They were picked to finish 8th in the Big East preseason poll. Seton Hall's exceeding expectations with gems for the Selection Sunday committee. Wins over Kentucky on a neutral floor at the Garden. A win at Maryland. Those wins have serious mileage. How serious? I had NCAA.com correspondent Andy Katz on on Monday. And I'll be posting this clip from at John underscore fans. And I said, Andy, could this be a year where Seton Hall goes 8-10 and 10 in Big East play and still makes the NCAA tournament? And he said, yes. Throw out the conference record. If Seton Hall beats Marquette or Villanova, who they still host, uh, they could make the field. Why? Because they scheduled hard. And that's why, when you look at it, a fan asked me, who's in more trouble, Seton Hall or St. John's? Tim O'Connor asked me that question. And right now, it's St. John's because they don't have the non-conference gems that Seton Hall has. And Seton Hall's gone to three straight NCAA tournaments. Now, they lost an all-time senior class, but that carries weight when you have that type of experience, when Miles Powell has that type of experience. Seton Hall was 6-7 and seven in the Big East last year. They were 3-6 and six the year before. They found a way to dance. Kevin Willard's got experience. I think it's a gotta-have-it game on Wednesday against Providence. But things can change in one game in this league. When you weren't supposed to take one, you do. That's why winning on the road, when you can do it, it, it can change your entire season. St. John's. Deflating loss at the Garden on Sunday. They have to have short memory. They have to have short memory. I think they need one and two on this road swing. And you may say, John, just one and two? Just one win? Well, here's the thing. Let's say they go one and two. And I really think they need the game at Creighton on Wednesday. The Johnny splits Creighton and Queens. I think it's a favorable matchup for St. John's. But Creighton has won back-to-back games. And Creighton has gone 7-0 and against St. John's in Omaha. For St. John's, they need to suck it up. And the talent needs to show. They've lost four or five. Here's what I think they need to do to be in the NCAA tournament picture. Was asked about this on Twitter 
by Charlie Curtin. If they go one and two, let's say they go one and two here, and they, they are to beat Creighton or Marquette, they sit at four and six in the Big East. Then they have a stretch of five out of six games at home. Huge stretch. Five out of six at home. I think it's going to take five and one. Four and two at worst, and then you'd have to win out at DePaul and at Xavier. But I think if this team gets seven more wins and is sitting at 22 wins, then I think that they'll be okay. They're 15 and five right now. They have 11 games left. If they go seven and four, that's 22 and nine. And I still think that's enough to make the field of 68. But look, they, they've got work to do. They've got to win 7 of 11, maybe 8 of 11. That's tough, but it has to start on Wednesday at Creighton because if they go 0-3 on this road trip, I don't see how St. John's recovers from that. That makes this a really tough road swing. And we'll get to the NCAA tournament conversation here in a little bit on a wholesome note. In the net rankings, four Big East teams in the top 50. You've got Marquette 19th, Villanova 21, St. John's 49. Butler, 50. The Dogs have the biggest game of the week in Big East basketball, I believe. They welcome Marquette on Wednesday. Butler needs to turn a corner, and this is a huge chance to do so. The Dogs have, when you talk to Big East coaches, Greg McDermott said this earlier this year, have heard it from others, that Butler's defensive mentality in their backcourt is the best in the Big East. Because of Aaron Thompson, the sophomore, and then Kamar Baldwin, the junior. Well, now you've got the challenge of having to lock up Marcus Howard. And you cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him. But Butler has a huge opportunity on Wednesday. If they lose that game to Marquette at home, and Butler drops to 3-6, and six, and 12-10 and 10 overall, man, that's going to be really, really tough to climb back from. What a difference, though, it would be at 4-5. and five, 13-9, and nine, but a statement win over Marquette, a quad one win at this stage of the game. That's going to get the committee's notice. For Butler, they're 9-2 and two at home, but they're 1-5 on the road. Tough. They're going to have to find some road conference results here as we go forward. Another fan asks me, amidst the chaos, who are your NCAA tournament teams in the men's bracket? Uh, for the conference, that's Mike Vamosi. Mike does a, a great job out in Omaha. Mike, amidst the chaos, I think that the Big East is still a 4-5 to five bid league. And I say that because the Pac-12 is a 1-2 to two bid league. The AAC, the American, is likely a maybe a 2, maybe a 3 bid league. The Atlantic 10 is having a down year, 1-2. to two. So you look at those leagues and you think to yourself, how are they going to field 68 teams? When the Big East only had three teams in the first year of reconfiguration in 2014, the Atlantic 10 got six teams to the tournament. Big difference from that and this year now, five years later, in 2019. That said, here's the teams that I think have the best shot of making the NCAA tournament but still have work to do. Providence, because they've got Reeves back, and defensively they found themselves, I thought they played a really good first half against Marquette, at Marquette. And that's how I think momentum started for Providence. 
Marquette could not solve Providence's defense. It was actually the worst first half of Marquette's season. The Golden Eagles only scored 25 points in the first half. Providence was up by 8, but Marquette put up 54 in the second half. But now A.J. Reeves is back. Now Providence has their lead scoring guard back. And the Friars, they beat Xavier, they beat DePaul. Big week for them with two winnable road games at Seton Hall and at DePaul. But Seton Hall's in desperation mode. They're the other team that I think absolutely can make the NCAA tournament. I think if the Pirates are 9-9, they are for sure in the NCAA tournament because of the wins over Kentucky and Maryland. Kentucky could be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, in December, that's not how they were playing. But this is a team now that has the length and that has had different things come together that would lead you to believe that they could be as as high as a one, maybe a two seed. That's huge for the committee to look at. And when you schedule teams that you have control over, Seton Hall took advantage of the opportunities that non-conference play can bring. And they scheduled hard. So that's why Providence, Seton Hall, as well, this is on top of Villanova and Marquette. And then I still will say Butler... Because the Dogs can take Wednesday over Marquette, and that could be a real pivotal season-changing win. Creighton has depth. They've got six guys averaging nine points or more per game. I just worry about the Blue Jays on the road. I think at some point they've got to make some hay on the road. Creighton couldn't beat Villanova or Marquette in their building. I figure that they have to beat one of those teams to really get the committee on notice. They're 58 in the net, though, so we'll see. But Creighton needs to take both games this week. They need to beat St. John's and Xavier at home. That has to happen. That has to happen. And for St. John's, let's see what team comes out on Wednesday at Creighton because this this could go the other way. It really could. MKE Muskie asks, what are the Big East game day atmosphere power rankings? And this actually goes along the lines with another question that I got. We got a lot of questions coming in here as I'm reading reading things from you guys. Uh, but somebody asked me, what do I think of Travis Steele? Andrew Dowdy asked that. Travis Steele lost a great senior class. Trayvon Blewett and J.P. Makura got Xavier to the one-seed level, got Xavier to historic levels. You lose Karim Cantor as well, uh, Sean O'Mara. So you look at what Xavier lost. Xavier knew that this was going to be a bit of a retooling year, and that's what it's been. They were in it with Marquette on Saturday. They just couldn't close. Xavier's a year away. They have a good recruiting class coming in next season. If they could find a way to the NIT, I think that's a positive note for this team. I almost think that could be a next year starts now type thing. Xavier's going to be fine. Big game at Georgetown on Thursday because they're 3-5 and five in conference play, Xavier is. The Hoyas coming off a big win at Madison Square Garden. They can score the ball with anybody in the Big East. Georgetown 3-4, and four, Xavier 3-5. and five. Something's got to give Thursday night. Both need a win to keep it going. Xavier, though, 
is right in the mix for the Atmosphere Power Rankings. Let's get back to that for a moment. Atmosphere Power Rankings. Guess who's number one right now? Marquette. The five-serve form has a basketball resurgence. That building is rocking. February 9th, 2.30 Eastern Time. You better be watching Villanova at Marquette. Five-serve forum is right there. Creighton does a tremendous job in Omaha. Butler, a Saturday at Hinkle Fieldhouse, is untouchable. And the Cintas Center is right there with them. After that, in the Northeast, I would say the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Very difficult to win there. A vibrant fan base that holds nothing back. And you love that about them. Love your questions and comments. We're on the road to March. And I'll tell you what. It is just downright crazy in this conference that you've got eight teams at three wins. But this is young talent learning how to win, especially away from home. And that's what could make it difficult for teams to just get to 9-9. Nine and nine. Andrew Hogan asks me, Who would be your All-Big East first team if the season ended today? My first team would be this, Marcus Howard of Marquette. Best score in America, in my opinion. Phil Booth of Villanova has been the best player in conference play in the league uh, altogether. Shamari Pons of St. John's. Miles Powell of Seton Hall. Eric Paschal of Villanova. I, I think best team breeds that individual success. So Phil Booth and Eric Paschal, I like them both to be on the first team. If not Pascal, then I'd go Sam Hauser. And then I throw in Jesse Govan at Georgetown. The kid's averaging 19 and 8. He is just uh, an incredible talent. And Donnie Marshall said this on Fox on Sunday. He's the best player in the country, averaging at least uh, 19 and 8. And there's not many players like Jesse Govan. So I put him on my first team, but I think it's tight. I think Sam Hauser could replace Govan. I think there's a lot of things that could still happen. We're just about to hit the, the halfway point of conference play. Matt DeMoranis, who does a great job with White and Blue Review, asked about the underclassmen in the conference. Top five underclassmen. It would be tough for me just to rank them right now. Joey Hauser is my lead candidate for Big East Freshman of the Year. Uh, I love Tyshawn Alexander. And so Alexander, uh, he'd be right there as well. So this is no particular order because I'm thinking off the top of my head here. But I really like the way Tyshawn Alexander has played in his sophomore year. Has gone from single digits to just about 17 points per game. And has really taken his game to the next level. High motor as well for Alexander. Uh, Just uh, another example of Greg McDermott evolving a player. He really knows how to develop a player. Then after after those guys, um, it's an interesting question. I've got to think here a little bit around the league. I think A.J. Reeves can be right there now that he's returned to health. So watch out for A.J. Reeves. Colin Gillespie flies under the radar solely because he's got Booth and Basco in front of him. But Colin Gillespie, I still think, can be in that conversation. Absolutely. And then down at Georgetown, Patrick Ewing's got three guys uh, who are all part of the future and the present now of the program. James Akinjo, tremendous guard. Initiator, knows how to create. Mac McClung has scored better than I thought he would in Big East play. He's taken on the competition. And he has made the most of it. And he had a big performance at St. John's on Sunday. And then Josh LeBlanc. Patrick Ewing doesn't run anything for Josh LeBlanc. Josh LeBlanc runs on motor. He runs on hustle. 
He does everything that you would want in a player and more. So those would be my top underclassmen in the Big East. Somebody asked uh, about Creighton. Listen, this Creighton Blue Jays team lost two great players in an offensive juggernaut, Marcus Foster, and a defensive Swiss Army knife in Kyrie Thomas. And Greg McDermott has them starting to play better basketball. Back-to-back wins. They could win two this week over St. John's and Xavier. If they do that and are winning four in a row, Greg McDermott's program was picked in the bottom three of the Big East. That would say something. That would say something. Uh... Butler, huge week. Home to Marquette, home to Seton Hall. You got to take advantage of home in the Big East. Critical game, Providence at Seton Hall. Seton Hall needs to get off the snide. Friars starting to play better basketball. Can they get a season sweep over the Pirates? We shall see. Pirates need Miles Powell to break out. Villanova, when's that first conference loss coming? Well, they're at DePaul on Wednesday. I don't see it there. The Wildcats have just been an absolute wrecking crew on anyone and everyone. Jay Wright doing a marvelous coaching job. Hard to believe that people had doubts. But Villanova at DePaul, home to Georgetown, home to Creighton. I would expect their 10-0 in conference play heading into Marquette February 9th. And if the Golden Eagles get past Butler on Wednesday, I would think they're 9-1 heading into that matchup on February 9th. Big-time showdown in the making in the Big East. Just getting started in conference play. Not even at the halfway point. But it is going to be one heck of a race to see who's avoiding Wednesday night in the Big East tournament, which is going to be an all-out war. Most entertaining Wednesday night in the Big East tournament since reconfiguration. And then quarterfinal Thursday, all bets are off. All bets are off. Villanova shot the ball so tremendously well to start 7-0 in Big East play. You're waiting for them to have a human game. But I don't know when it's happening. I don't know when it's happening. We shall see. You've got Villanova and Marquette at the top, and then absolutely wide open beyond them. It's going to be fun, folks. It is going to be fun. Right now, planning on being in Omaha Wednesday for St. John's at Creighton. Johnny's greatly need a win in Omaha, but they've never won there. 0-7 against Creighton in Omaha. It's dollar beer night. It's 80s night. It's going to be fun. Big East shoot-around is going to have a pregame show. More info to come on that as eight of the ten Big East teams are in action Wednesday. I got to run. Thanks for listening to the State of Big East Hoops. John Fanta signing off.